This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. Good evening and welcome. And welcome to a lovely summer's evening, the first day of summer here in Nelson, Tasman. And what a gorgeous day it's been. Lovely to go out for a drive. And why not take a drive with Drive Alive? For the next hour, we will be talking about things motoring. And actually, if you like Jaguars, or if you're a Jaguar owner, you are in for a very special treat tonight because we're going to be talking all about Jaguars and specifically Jaguars and Daimlers that were actually built in Nelson. But just before we do that, uh, I must thank our sponsors, NPD Fuels. Thank you for them for fueling our show. Hopefully you're fueling yourself up with NPD Fuels around the region. Um, and if you drive a drag, you probably need quite a lot of their fuel to get you by. So, uh, without further ado... I'm going to introduce uh, our Jag man tonight, uh, author Mr. Brian Devlin, who is hopefully on the other end of the phone here. Brian, can you hear me? Hearing you perfectly, Stephen. Fantastic. I love it when the technology works, which is almost all the time on Fresh FM, thanks to Matt and all that gang. So, uh, yes, thank you for giving up your time this evening, Brian. Um, so you're on the phone. Where are you calling us from? I'm, we now live in a place called Fongamatar on the Coromandel Coast. Ooh, but that's pretty nice and sunny up there then. No fear, no, no. The one thing I do miss is the, the beautiful sunny Nelson. Oh, yes. Yes, we can <laughs> rely on that. And it has been, a go- and still is actually a gorgeous evening out there. I've got the lights on in the studio, but I really don't need them. It's, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So, um so tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, um, where you're from originally. Yes, um, certainly, Stephen. Well, I was born in Greymouth, went to uh, uh, the primary school in Greymouth and, and Grey Technical High, as it was called then. Um, after I left school, I joined the Army for a couple of years, but uh, that wasn't for me, and I returned to Greymouth. Uh, mm-hmm. got married and uh, then decided I'd better do something and decided to, to uh, do accountancy and we moved to a place called Belclutha, some 50 miles south oh, of yeah. Dunedin where I, where I studied uh, accountancy at uh, Targo Uni and, uh, and finally qualified in what, about 1970-odd, uh, got my certificate of public practice a year later and practiced uh, in public practice in Belclutha for 10 years. And it was during that time in Belclutha that I first had my encounters with a Jag. It was a 1969 Series 1, beautiful car, a foreign car. 
Ford car, a lovely car, about right. 1973 it was, but there was only one trouble, the one. one one major problem that I had, and the fact that with the petrol at that time, and I see MPD are one of your sponsors, with the petrol at the time, and with the short running, I kept uh, burning out exhaust systems on mufflers, and I couldn't afford to buy a stainless steel one, so uh, oh, yeah. after a, a few years, uh, it just became too much for me. And with a young family, uh, I'm afraid I just had to uh, say goodbye to the Jag. But I also, at that time, thought, well, I'm going to have the Devlin uh, uh, superannuation scheme, and I bought a, a <laughs> it was quite an interesting, it was a Mark I, 19, 1958 Mark I. Ooh. And it was a uh, uh, nice, nice interior, uh, brown interior. But and I bought it off a student in Dunedin. But there was only one thing wrong: he and his he and his friends had painted the outside in this terrible brown with a brush brush paint. So you can imagine what it was like. So, at any rate, we took it back to Belcourt. It drove very well. And I took it down to a, a gentleman that your listeners or some of the Jag people that the people will remember or know. There's a fellow called Ray Larson in Invercargill. Now, Ray, at the time, was one of the uh, of the, the people who really was one of the, uh, what could just, restorers or uh, men of his time, really a really good uh, panel beater and painter. And so I left the car with him, and, and, I don't, and I still do it today. I said to him, there's no hurry. You know, you should never say that, but I always say that to a person. There's no hurry to do it, and sometimes you might have to wait a while, but... Yep. Anyway, right, after yep. about six to nine months, I hadn't heard from him. But in the meantime, <laughs> okay. uh, in the meantime, Invercargill had a massive flood. And uh, some of your listeners will remember, it's about 73, 74. And, oh, I got a ring this particular day from Ray to say, oh, I'm sorry, but your car's underwater. <laughs> so uh, that was the... That was the end of, of my time with, with my Mark ones. Yeah, British so, British steel and underwater don't go yeah, well under, together, under, do completely they? Completely underwater, he said. So uh, that was the end of that. And, and hang rate, on, you bought you bought this Jaguar off a student. That doesn't, student doesn't sound 500, like $500 it cost me. It doesn't sound like a student car. I mean, even no, if it was tenure, but not at all. But uh, but the outside was it was as, I said, as you can imagine it was beautifully uh, painted with a, with a hand paintbrush. So it was <laughs> <laughs> never mind. That was uh, that was so uh, that was the end of the, of the Mark One. So now in about 1980 we uh, we left. Uh, Belcliffe up, uh, Norma and I and the, and the three children, and headed back to to Greymouth, where I bought an accounting practice in Greymouth. Right. And uh, I had an accounting practice, a uh, practice in Greymouth and in Hokitika, and uh, stayed there until I retired in 2010, and then wow. moved then then moved to Nelson. And it was when we got to Nelson that. Uh, my enthusiasm was able to be, or my Jaguar enthusiasm was able to be rekindled and came about in a, in a very funny way. During, let's see, it was, must have been early uh, year 2000, something like that, when I was Provincial Grandmaster for the Masonic Lodge for Nelson, Marlborough and Westland. And we were at, uh, at Blenheim this particular evening and with some friends over there and we were talking about Jags and this chap, uh, chap by the name of Jock Marfell was his name, he said, Come and have a look what I've got out here in the garage. So we go out to the garage. Oh, and here was a beautiful 
old English white Mark One Jaguar with spats. Oh. Well, oh well. So I said to Jock, "Yeah, well, you can imagine that. That was really good." I said to Jock at the time, "Now, if you ever want to sell it, please, I've got to be the the first, you know, the first person to buy it." Well, sadly, Jock passed away, and uh, the car obviously sat there. One particular Saturday morning, look, I still remember it quite plainly. I was in the Richmond Mall, and I came across uh, his his widow. All and right. uh, Gloria, and Gloria, she said, oh, I was just coming around to see you, and Norma, are you interested, are you still interested in our Mark I that we've got here and at, over at Brown? Well, so uh, that was on the Saturday. By half past nine on the Monday morning, I was in Blenheim at their place. By 11 o'clock, we'd done the deal. By 12 o'clock, I had the car around at... Uh, um, I'm trying to think of his name, around at uh, oh, Alan Packham, around at Alan right. Packham, who was one of the chap, and a chap called Ray Fairweather, and gave them instructions to strip it down and get it repainted uh, old English white, you know, back to the part. So that was duly done. So uh, And then uh, after the painting was, was all completed, we there was a... Blenheim has, it was really good in those days because they had a... A very good uh, person, uh, upholsterer, a fellow called uh, Tony Mitchell, and he, right. he made the most beautiful job of the interior of the car. In fact, it's won the national uh, concourse uh, prizes because it's absolutely beautiful. Wow, so, that uh, good. so it is. It's really made a lovely job. So the Mark One sits in the garage just out beside me out here, and I go and talk to it every day. It's so, still there. Uh, it's still there. It's still, sit- still sitting in the garage behind us. Beautiful car. So that so that was that, but as your Jaguar listeners will, will know, once you have one Jag, you've got to have two, don't you? So uh, <laughs> we, we we in the UK we had a I think he was deputy prime minister for Labour government for back in the late nineties was known as Two Jags yeah. Preston. Uh, <laughs> is that what it was? That was, well, was? No, Prescott. That's right. Two Prescott. Jags Prescott. That was his nickname. Oh, for heaven's sake! Well. I, uh, the, the Mark One, of course, hasn't got power steering, so you've got to have what they call pretty, you know, strong arms, Armstrongs. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll get a, a later model one. So I bought a Series Three uh, Jag, very, very nice car, to, you know, to cruise in. But on particular day, once you have three, uh, two, you've got to have three, don't you? <laughs> well, one particular, <laughs> one particular. I can day, see the argument with Norma how this is developing yeah, yeah, well, the logic that, that, here. That, that was yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. And at any rate, this particular day, I was down at uh, uh, oh, great, great fellow John John Smalley down in Bullen, uh, Bullen Street down there, probably the best gag mechanic in New Zealand. And then uh, we were there. In comes this lady, a lady called Lorraine Allen. I, I think Lorraine's still alive in, in Nelson, and she had this most beautiful Series Two Squadron Blue. It was. With a vinyl roof. Oh gosh! Vinyl roof. You know, you I have... didn't know they did them with vinyl. Oh yes. Well, that, that's a special. That's a, that was something. Something which I learned later on. At any rate, uh, Lorraine said, "Oh, she said I've got to sell this car because it's too big for me now. And, you know, I only go out forwards, backwards, and forwards to golf, and it, she's only done about a hundred miles, a hundred thousand k's in it, and." Uh, it used to belong to uh, belong to a father who only uh, only owned it for about eighteen months before he passed away. So she it was basically one family owner car. Wow. So 
Never mind, it was there. And I thought she said, I've been offered, oh, not a very good price from the, the dealers in town, but there was this particular person coming up from Christchurch or from Rangiora, uh, a dealer who uh, those people that are listening will know who I'm talking about. But at any rate, he a uh, classic car dealer, and uh, oh, yeah. and I thought, oh yes, well he he will buy the car. So I had to try and make peace at home a bit because I you know <laughs> wanted to buy this car. Then we came to an agreement: if I wanted to buy the car, I had to sell one. Well, I wasn't going to sell the Mark One, so I had to I sold the Series Three. And uh, luckily enough, I was able to go down and do a deal with uh, Jesmond, and we we then became mm-hmm. the owner of this most beautiful. Uh, series two, Jag. So, did you have yeah. to sell the series three before you yeah, could buy this the, one? Yeah, I was, we're only, I was, was only it before? allowed to. So you had to do <laughs> a pretty quick sale then. Yeah, I had to get a get a sale, so I got the. Oh, it was a nice car, so it was was sold all right. So, uh, but uh, so we had I had bought this car home. Well, in the, then I started to think. Well, uh, uh, John Smalley said, you know, it's a Nelson Assemble Jag. I said, well, I didn't even know they made assembled these cars in Nelson. So I started to look at, uh, you know, find, try and find a little bit of information about this. And the more I looked, the less I couldn't find anything. There was a, a, a particular article by a fellow called Don Anderson, one of the, the writers, mm-hmm. and uh, he wrote about these uh, cars that were assembled here and assembled in Nelson. He wasn't very complimentary with them, and I, I didn't think much of his art, even though he's a, he's a very good writer. He was, he didn't think they were very good these cars, which uh, you know got my back up a little bit. And then there was another fellow called Mark Webster who had a bit of a bit of a you know an articles about it. But I had a look at Wikipedia, and and they talked about the cars of the Jags that were assembled in Nelson, and that also they that they, they made what they called a special limited edition car, SLE or Super Jag. And blow me dead if the car I got, if the vinyl roof wasn't one of those Super Jags. So, I, oh gosh, this was this was extra good indeed. This wasn't just but, a special edition for it, Nelson, it, it, was it? It was. It, it was? It, yeah, they, they, no, they were made nowhere else in the world. Wow. These particular cars. There's, there's, uh, and I... As I say in my book, I can only uh, count approximately, this was the best effort. I reckon I only produced or assembled about 48 of these special limited editions. Really, really special, real nice car. Different different to the other one. They had uh, the vinyl roof, different upholstery, uh, and air conditioning was, that, uh, was, was part of the car. Just, and... and the, the reasoning behind that, and I'll tell you a little bit more about how, why, why they produced them yeah. later, but uh, at any rate, the, the car had some peculiar numbers on it, uh, body numbers, numbers that I, you know, didn't, didn't mean anything. So I wrote to um, Jag Heritage in England and asked them about this, and they said, I'm sorry, uh, the cars were what they call completely knocked down, CKD, because they were assembled here in New Zealand. And all right. we've got record here in England was the chassis numbers. So I said, oh, well, that wasn't much good. So, at any rate, that was that was the start of the car. And, and then that particular, this was oh, about 2013, 14 or something like that, we had a Jag rally up in, up in um, a Jaguar New Zealand rally up in Rotorua. And I took uh, the car up there and uh, I, I, in the motel next door to us was a chap called Paul Ingram. 
And Paul was a, a member of the Auckland people, and we got to uh, Auckland Club, and we got talking about the cars, and I said, you know, I was trying to get some information, absolutely nothing at all about New Zealand's assembled Jags. And he said, oh, the person you need to talk to is a fellow called Mark Shorter in mm-hmm. Auckland, Archibald and Shorter. Uh-huh. So after the, after the rally, we headed up to Auckland, and uh, I duly go up to Archibald and Shorter's and uh, say, introduce myself to Mark, and... Uh, I told him what I was wanting, to, you know, wanting to do, and but he was more interested in trying to sell me an S-type that was sitting outside. But uh, <laughs> but then, of course, you have a bit of luck every now and again, and then blow me dead, in walks Paul Ingram, the fellow I, who I'd just previously met a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago, right. and he said, "Oh, how are you getting on?" And, and I see that you're talking to Mark about you're getting some history about these cars, are you? And uh, after he left, Mark said to me, oh, do you know Paul? And, of course, a bit like that, Wayne Perini said, oh, yes, he's a great friend of mine, you know, and uh, and I've known him for ages, even though I've only known him a couple of weeks. And he said that you, Mark, are the, are the best uh, person to deal with about with gags and, you know, you're now becoming an ambassador for Jaguar Land Rover and all this <laughs> sort of stuff and putting it on. Well, different all, you know, different altogether. And he said, well, look, he said, Come back in a couple of days, and he said, I've got a book for you that I'll, I'll show you. So right. I duly go back. And when I get there, he's got, he, he has this book, and, and some of the older listeners that are in the trade will remember it. He had to, he showed me this, or he gave me this use of this book, and it had the, the body number of the car, the, the, uh, it was all the, all the sales of all their, all their uh, brand new Jags that they had. Oh, yeah, right. Is this like an original yeah. ledger kind yeah, of yeah, thing? That was the original. That was uh, they used to have to keep it for the uh, trade and industry. Right. Uh, and and it was the the body, the car, the number of the car, the body number, the chassis number, the engine number, the colour of the exterior colour, the interior colour, and and uh, and you know the date of sale. And he said you can have access to that book. Said, I don't want you to photocopy it. Any information you take has got to be done by hand. He said, the only thing I don't want you to take or take any details off is how much we got for the car. <laughs> so, because <laughs> they were very scarce in those days. So, for the next three days, and it took me three days, I listed all these, all the, all the, the names of all these people that bought the, the cars and body card numbers and all things like that, and then. Which was, which was terrific. It was re- really, it's been a great help to me. And of course, again, he said to me, he said, oh, you know, they produced about 15, they produced 15, um, 1,590 of these cars. And I said, oh, oh, that's different. That's different to the figure that, the official figure that I saw, which was about 1,200 and something or other. No. And then, yeah, so there was no idea of how many, how many cars were actually produced. But anyway, while we were we were there, he said, "Oh, I've, I've asked a chap to come and meet you, who used to work for this company called Jaguar Distributors, who's uh, uh, that was the uh, the people that used to distribute these Jags for in New Zealand." So he came in a chap called Richard Ferry, and a really really nice fellow, and he was one of their uh, accountants at the for Jaguar Distributors. At any rate, um, Richard Ferry, uh, Ferry said. The man you need to talk to is a chap called Norton Moller. Now, he said, Norton's getting near 90. He's, uh, he's very, still a very active person. And he was the managing director 
of Jaguar Distributors Limited, which was the company formed uh, in partnership. Well, the company was formed when they got when Norton got the, the dealers from the Christchurch, Ray Archibald from Christchurch, right. uh, uh, Mark Shorter's father in Auckland from Archibald and Shorter, uh, and uh, the Mal- the uh, t- uh, Tony, someone rather in Wellington. I'll think of his name later. But at any rate, they were the three main big jag dealers in in, um, in New Zealand. And what they did, they went to the government and said, we will hand in our uh, import licences if you will allow us to uh, assemble 400 jags a year at the Nelson plant. And so... Uh, that was that's that's how it all started. And, so, uh, what's what's the background to this as to why? Because I, I know there was sort of the import tariffs around that oh. time of of uh, the time. But why, why did Jag, why didn't they get them direct from the UK factory? Yeah, like you could that? do that. Yeah, but but uh, listeners will remember that the only way you could get a car from England. Or import a car was either a you had overseas funds, right. uh, and that's how the farmers used to sell their wool. They had overseas funds and things like that, or the dealer had an import license to bring them in, and that was you know that was in the time when things were pretty tough in New Zealand as far as bringing cars into New Zealand, and mm-hmm. the import licenses were allocated to these these car these people the the dealers based on their 1939. Uh, Imports of cars, so you know you couldn't get many. So you, a, a person in New Zealand, unless they had overseas funds or were prepared to pay, uh, ex, you know, a lot of money to the dealer, uh, couldn't get a nice, you know, a Jaguar or anything like that into the in, into New Zealand. But uh, if you had overseas funds, you could bring in, yeah. you know, bring the cars in, no troubles whatsoever. So. This was the way that, as Norton said to us, that this was the way that you could uh, produce for the New Zealand market a, an upmarket English, you know, an English car. And of course, um, they they had New Zealand content in it as well. So anyway, with Norton, with Norton was tremendous. He was he was he was terrific, and he gave me all the history. We spent a whole whole day there giving me gave me details and. Of, of how it worked and how he got together and uh, he's really a man ahead of his time. He, he could see that this was the way to, way to go and uh, they had the time, they had the backing of uh, the, the British BMC at the British Motor Corporation at the time because that was going through a restructuring and you can imagine, you know, you can remember that mm-hmm. it was all, all up the pole at, the mo- at that time. So he, uh, they, it had the backing of, of the minister, the, the government at the time However, it didn't have the backing of the of the customs department, and it took a long while to get approval because customs were going to lose a hang of a lot of money because of the uh, duty that was on these cars when they came into New Zealand. because oh, they'd just be chassis and bits. Yeah, they were, well, yeah. See, with them coming in as completely a CKD, completely knocked down. The only duty that was payable was on the the CKD, uh, you know, ver- the version of the part, which was only a, uh, a chassis and uh, motor and things like that. And so that's where we had a lot of New Zealand content into the cars and, and the, as well in these cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's, in fact, it was, I think it made uh, 
was something like about 50%, 60% New Zealand content in the in the cars, you know, the windscreens, the rubber, oh, and right. the tyres. So was, and, was the uh, leather was the leather New Zealand cows yep, yep, and stuff? Yeah, New Zealand, yeah. New Zealand hide ah. the carpets, there's Axminster carpet and all that sort of stuff. Ah. And the dashboards were all, in fact, I think the dashboards were might have been made in Nelson, but... Uh, you know, excuse me. All the, you know, all the, all that stuff was was New Zealand content, and uh, and that's how it uh, it became came underway. So, but at any rate, in the in the meantime, with with all this carrying on there, I was became a member of the the Jag uh, Nelson Jag Club and uh, became secretary of that, and uh, that was that was terrific. But the chaps in the club there said, "There's a fellow that you need to know, <laughs> need to talk to." Uh, who has written a book about the, the assembly plant here in Nelson, a fellow called John Muir. Mm-hmm. Now, John lives out at, out, lived out at Hope, and he's written this book from cotton to cars. So uh, I made myself known to John, and he's been, he was terrific. In fact, it's just as much his book as mine, this one, because he, he was tremendous, the input in it, and uh, helped me out and uh, right along the line. So, But we still haven't... The, the, biggest unknown was still how many cars they actually assembled and uh, there was only one way one answer to that and that that was to go to England directed to do Jag Heritage and have a look at their records so uh, I was able able to do that and uh, went to England and, and I got uh, got rights you know what they called reading reading rights as they were that's the word reading rights mm-hmm. to go and and get the, the told them when I'd be there and all that, and they made available for me. And if I thought that uh, Mark Shorter's books was big enough, this was the real big old style books, and they had all the records of every car that was assembled in England, its colour and all that, and who it went to and all like that. However, when I came to look for New Zealand cars, all I came across was uh, was a, an entry. Uh, Jaguar distributors, chassis number A1G, say 8676 to 8687 uh, NZ1, 1, Quarantine Road, Nelson, Stoke, Nelson, New Zealand. And that's all that I had. And so, but it gave me the chassis numbers. So for the next three days, three days, everything again by hand, all written down, all the chassis numbers of all the cars that they produced, you know, that they, sorry, that they sent to New Zealand. And uh, that was that was a tremendous car. And that allowed me to identify every every car, chassis, every car that, that uh, every chassis that, that came, or CKDK that came to, come out to New Zealand over about an eight, eight, nine, year, eight year period it was, came right through. Cause, but cause... there was only, there was only one, one interesting point at, during that time there is that, I had a, have a friend in, in Nelson called Dean Motion, and Dean's always said that he had this, he had a, um, as a series, a, a Jag, a Series 1 Jag. And I, he said, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Well, at any rate, going through this big book, Blamey did, he was a name written on the side, Dean Motion, such and such, <laughs> Stoke, New Zealand. <laughs> oh, crikey dick, out with my, out with my, uh, my phone and take a photo of it. Well, talk about all hell breaking loose. Oh. There must have been a there must have been a fellow watching me. And oh. at any rate, he came out real, real English style. Out he came with his you know collar and tie on and his tweed jacket with the with the leather elbows, you know, on the leather on the elbows. 
And uh, he dressed me down and he said, you have contravened section 3.81 oh. of, of your reading rights. He oh, said, dear. I've got to have, I'm going to have to report you direct to the, the chief archivist. You're not allowed to do any more work. Stop. Oh, I thought, oh, geez, I'm in the in the cart here, aren't I? So, at any rate, away he goes, and you know, and about five minutes later, out comes the chief archivist. Well, uh, I've got to be careful where you say this, but uh, there's a lot of English programs that where you see the lady that runs the prison, you know, the big lady that come out. Well, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, come out. She came striding out, and bang, she dressed me down left, right, and centre, and that I was, you know, going to, to lose my rights. And I said, look, I've come a long way and, you know, all this sort of stuff. I said, look, I'll delete the photos for you on the on the camera, so which I duly did, but I only deleted one and I've still got one on the camera. So uh, <laughs> that was I'm sure she's not listening. I'm sure she's not. No, nah, she's not listening. She's, she's moved on now. But, uh, but uh, at any rate, when we, when we came back, we, we, uh, we had all these... Ca- and not only did I have... I had the breakdown of all the models, and that was the thing that there was never any records of. In other words, within each safe within the series one, there was manuals and automatics, uh. Uh, 2.8s and 4.2s. And then when they went to the series twos, there was a short wheelbase, and then later on long wheelbase and things like that, see? So I was able to dest- establish that it was, there was exactly 1,404 uh, Jaguars, you know, that, that were assembled here, and that was made up of, of uh, manuals and autos, series ones, and, and then series two. So that was my real big basis, and also there was 108 Daimlers as well early on. Ah. So that was that was the so that then gave me the, the the basis for me to to be able to put it all together. And once we got all the the writings together for the book. The next big thing was to try and find these. How many of these cars can I find? So, so what, what next, period of time were they produced over those? They're from 1971. 19, yeah. September 1971 was when the first ones rolled off the off the uh, Nelson off the, production off the, line. Nelson there, and they went right through until December 1978, when the next model, the Series Three, came out. Now that was a different sort of car to get all together, but that was. Uh, it was it was really really good and uh, so uh, during that time. But one of the other very interesting things that, that Norton told me about was that um, it, when they put their first order in for all these car, for these cars because they'd made arrangements with Jag all about it. When they put their first order in, it was such a big order for cars, and at the time they were hard produced. But he said. <laughs> They immediately the alarm bells started to ring in the uh, in, in England for a, a particular company, uh, TKM. Uh, it was the finance company that used to finance all uh, Jaguar's deals, and here was this blooming company in New Zealand that was uh, going to be you know setting up, and that could be uh, you know we didn't know how good they were with any payments. So they sent their managing director out, and Noel Norton said it was as funny as. A play. He said, we got this very official invitation to go and have breakfast with them. So he said, there was, uh, oh, it was Tony Shelley. It was Tony Shelley from Wellington, uh, Ray Archibald and himself, and uh, Mark Shorter's dad all went to breakfast. And uh, this TKM said, you know, how they could fund them and all this sort of thing. He said, little, little did they know that he said, 
we were in such a good, strong financial position. He said we could pay cash for the cars without any troubles. So we enjoyed we enjoyed their breakfast. He said so they didn't they didn't terrible. make any money out of that then. No, they didn't make any money out of that. Lost so on the they, breakfast. Yeah, uh, lost breakfast. So that so over the next few years, I, I started to try and you know travelled all around New Zealand, taking photos of cars and getting the histories of the cars and and. Uh, you know, got. I think at that stage I was able to to find or track what we call track down about two hundred of them, and wrote what I could about some nice, you know, good ones that we've had. And people were very forthcoming with the, you know, all information about the cars that you could. And and then with the help of John Miller, we we put the book together. And uh, John, after you know having uh, written the book, knew how to set it all out, and and you know it was was tremendous. And of course my. English wasn't all that too good sometimes, and I'd, I'd write something and he'd say, well, that's not quite how it happened. I don't know where you got your information from, and he would rewrite a bit for me, and away we went together on that, and uh, that was terrific. So that's how Tracking the Cats uh, came right through, and it was, uh, it was, it's been, a, you know, tremendous. And it's, it's now, you know, it's a history of, uh, of what's happened down there for Jaguars and uh, something that uh, you know a lot of people didn't even know was being were being produced. And no. So, so that's, that's, what, yeah. What's the most yeah. modern Jag then out of that you've managed to, or what, yeah, what's the, the last, most modern well, Jag I, that was produced or the last one that yeah, was produced there? Was, well, what happens is I was telling you a wee bit about before about these SLEs getting near uh, special limited editions, getting near the end of the year, and this is what Richard Ferry was, was telling me about that, he said demand was starting to, to drop off a little bit, he said, because there was rumours in England about the Series 3 that was coming out. This was in 1978. Right. So he said, we, we got together with the uh, Jaguar distributors people and, and, uh, and, and the people at the factory, and we decided to do something different. So that's what we they, they put, he said, we put out 24, oh no, he's put out 12 uh, of these series, uh, these SLEs, these special ones, just to test the market to see what would happen. Well, they sold real, real quick, real mm-hmm. fast. And, of course, they then had to get production organised and everything like that. And, as I say, they produced probably another, uh, uh, about another 36 of these cars, I think, what I've been able to track down. But, of course... There was no specific record of from the build sheet, build uh, cards that they used to have down there. And they were all destroyed by Honda when they took over the factory. See, so oh, there was no, yeah. no no record of, of those at all. So that's just an estimate of, that I reckon that oh. we had of these. When did Honda these, take these, over the factory then? Uh, let's see, it's got to be in the 70s, 80s, isn't it? That they that 80s. Honda took it over, but uh, I think that was. There will be someone on the air will tell you exactly when that was. I think it was it was probably in the in the eighties or something right, when they they came in on the part. But uh, okay. so, but anyway, in reply to your question, I was I've been able to trace the very last car number, what we call KZ one four zero four, which is number, which is just number, and that's KZ one four zero four twelve seventy eight, and it was bought. KZ is our New Zealand number. One four zero four is the build number. Uh, the, the 1404, so that confirmed what it was. The 1278 was December 1978, 
and at the end of it was Ian for Nelson. So that's, ah. that's how I always can tell what it was. Now, it's, it's in, a, in a garage up at, uh, at a place called uh, Humu. It's in bits, uh, not in bits. Well, the chap's one of these, you know, these gunners. He's, he's going re- to restore it. And uh, it's still sitting there as it has been for the last six or seven years. But uh, I keep in touch with him every now and again. So, uh, <laughs> But... Uh, you do have some some sad stories stories to tell, and and the very last uh, SLE, exactly like mine, was Squadron Blue number uh, KZ one four fourteen hundred twelve seventy eight, was for sale, uh, and oh, if I'd had the money, I would have bought it, but I didn't. And a darn chap, a wrecker over here at Huntley has bought it, and it's now being wrecked for parts. So, oh. uh, yeah, oh, that's that's what it's it's real bad. So yeah. it's uh, he had no idea it was just a car as far as he yeah. concerned, and uh, and so that was uh, that was that was that was real sad. So never mind. It's, okay. uh, so yeah, about fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred Jags. And 14, exactly fourteen hundred and four Jaguars and one hundred and eight Daimlers. Okay, were so, so yeah, the, they were made so in Nelson. So how many of you of those? 1500 odd of well, you actually tracked in, are in and featuring your track in the cat's book? In the book, I had at the time of publishing, well, it was 200 and 202, I think. But since since the book was published, it's amazing where uh, these cars have come to light. They're extra cars. And since then, I've, I've found another 66. In fact, today was number 66 that I found. Some of them are in Australia. Three, I've got three, I've found traced three in oh, Australia. Right. People that have, that have taken them over, but there's yeah, there's another 66 that uh, I've come across and uh, written about, and so uh, as uh, Dave McManus said, the book had legs, and so uh, I'm contemplating, you know, sometime or other, I'll either do a, a second a second edition with all the, the the updates because some of the statements uh, that I've made in the book I've subsequently proved are not quite right, so. Uh, I'll have to do some, especially with the Daimlers, um, and uh, you know a little bit more. Either that, or or a, a, you know a postscript to the book. I don't know yet, but uh, one of these days we we might get. It took mm. me for five years, six years to do the other one. I'll be a long while before I can carry on. So, so if, uh, if any if anyone uh, in sort of Australasia has got a, a jag that was made between what was it, 1971 and 1978. 1978, yes. Yeah, and and if on the chassis number, it's got an N on that as the, the last end of it, and it starts with an A, and it starts body, with an A. Body num- yeah, it starts with an A. They might want to contact you to say, I think I might have one yep. of these, or have I got one of these Nelson made Jags? So what? How how would they get in contact? Well, with you? just very simple. Brian dot Devlin at extra dot co dot nz. Okay. Send me an email, and I, and as I say, I've got these these people all around New Zealand forever, forever. I drop them in line and say that I see such and such, or I saw saw such and such a car down the road, and they give me the the registration number, and so I track it down through Car Jam, and uh, and then away you go from there. It's amazing. It's great fun. So uh, <laughs> I get real excited when I you know find suddenly find one that I hadn't hadn't had before, and. Uh, it's really, really, really good. Very enjoyable. So, yeah, no, that's that's not a bad because I presume they're well. Would most of those still be on the road or in a garage? The ones oh, that you well, found. I, that, I, the... 
I would say, I, I would, I would say that of those, well, of the ones that I tracked down, you know, now 260, uh, let's see, about 150, 160 of those are still going. That's and, not bad. Uh, yeah, which is terrific, you know. And some of them, are, some of them are in beautiful order. I thought mine was was lovely, but I, at the national rally recently, there was another one beside me, and it was it was just only done about sixty thousand kilometres, and you know, just like brand new. And uh, it's 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 you know, some re- some people really look after their cars, yeah. really, really, really do, and it's it's so thrilled just to them because I, I've made the statement in the book that. I consider a New Zealand assembled uh, Series 1 and Series 2 J is just as good, if not better, uh, especially the paintwork, than the, any of the English assembled cars. So, yeah, no, I was, uh, was going to ask about that. I think I was pretty confident what the answer was going to be, but that, that's... The New Zealand cars are coming out better quality then. Yes, yes, yes. Well, well, you think think about it. That the, the factory at Nelson had a, a very stable workforce. Yeah. Uh, and were very took a lot of pride in their work. And and you know all around Nelson, you'll 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 see uh, uh, people or hear of people that worked at the factory and took a lot of pride in their work. They they really did, and that was a shame that it uh, you know that New Zealand car manufacturing went the way it did, but. All I can say, and 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 this Mark Shorter backs me up on this, where he said that uh, just about every car that they had that they brought in from England, because don't forget, at the same time as these cars were being assembled in New Zealand, the, the uh, people with overseas funds were still importing cars oh, yeah. from that yeah, yeah. in New Zealand, and and uh, he said without doubt any uh, overseas uh, any UK assembled Jaguar. We always used to have to do quite major paint work on it to repair it to get it up to standard. And he said we never once had to do that to a New Zealand car. So that just uh, that says a lot. It just it says a lot, and it's uh, and there's a lot of cars today have still got the original paint on them. You know that's uh, yeah. you know that haven't been retouched or something like that. So, so, so mine's one of them. There's a question: yeah. Did did any of the New Zealand cars, the Jaguars, have different paint colours? To the oh ones yeah, well, the yeah, yes, yeah, but the different names. Uh, and uh, for instance, uh, the squadron. Most of them are all. Don't forget, it's all British Motor Corporation colours, BMC right. cars, which are the same. But New Zealand colours ones had different names. For instance, uh, what's what was a terrible colour called uh, honeysuckle, uh, which oh, it's a, it's a terrible colour, and that's called. Uh, uh, that's a different name out of England. Uh, Primrose, I think, like the English car is called right. it. It's uh, in the honeysuckle. But in general, they're uh, they're the same basic. Well, they're basic British Motor Corporate BMC color colors cars for right. that. So it's uh, yeah. So that's how they. But just so better better applied. They didn't disappear yeah. off on strike halfway through no. coats or something. <laughs> no, no. In fact, I, I John John Miller would confirm. I don't think there was ever. A strike ever in in the Nelson factory? I can't wow. can't even think. I don't think so. But uh, it, it's really good. Yeah, they weren't so, just assembling Jags. Well, there was no, no, they were triumphs doing, and doing um, triumphs and you know a lot of triumphs and Hondas and uh, sorry triumphs and Rovers. Uh, they did a lot of cars. Jaguar was only just a wee, was was a, was was basically an, an, uh, just a uh, 
Well, as I think, as John said, they're a damn nuisance because they took quite a lot of extra work on them. So, uh, <laughs> as opposed to the to the uh, to the other ones. Oh, but you're making uh, a nice you're making the nicest car out of that lot, though. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, they are, you know, and 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 you know, I just took my, my one today. You know, I wired five seven four zero down, got us warrant today, and it's it's just just so lovely to drive. It just mm-hmm. you know, when when you if you go back, there must have been. You know, really, you know, lovely car. Just well, they are a lovely car to drive. But it, it's interesting. With you know how we were starting at the present time to get into some inflationary periods. Mm-hmm. In this particular time uh, in the seventies, of course, we had quite rampant inflation in New Zealand, and the the price of a Jag in nineteen seventy one was when it came off was was eight thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars that was the that was the the, the the price it was supposed to be shorters of course used to get you know a little bit more than that mm-hmm. my my series two the sle in 1978 was selling for thirty four thousand five hundred odd dollars whoa so that, yeah, so that's so you know look, look what's in front of us folks when we get going down the inflationary period so that's scary so there you go. So that's that's taking yeah. a bit bit longer to talk about, hasn't no, it? No, well, that's supposed to be good. That's exactly what we want, though. And because, yeah. of course, now uh, that factory well, was the Whale Museum and is now uh, the Nelson Classic yeah. Car Museum. Yeah, and I'm sure right. they, they sell your Tracking the Cats book there. So it's, uh, that's really... Uh, it's, it's really uh, I'm so thrilled, you know, because we we left just with the time when we moved up north here, when uh, uh, Wow was 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 closed down, and mm. it's great that it came up because Nelson has got some very real talented uh, restorers and Jaguar, and, and not only for Jaguars, but uh, as I said before, you've got the likes of uh, of uh, uh, John Smalley, you know, John's tremendous, probably. Who, He's getting a wee bit past, a wee bit past, and things there now. But you've got, you know, people like uh, Andrew Bradley and people along those sort of lines, and uh, they, they, they look after the modern Jags as well. And uh, it's the, the fellow out at uh, out at Richmond there uh, at uh, Prestige Auto Works. You know, they, they are, oh, yeah. we're, we're very lucky in Nelson with with you know top line fellows that, mm. that can do work, and of course. The fellas at uh, the, at the uh, Cartella, uh, well, they're, they're world class, of course. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're, they are world class. I don't think, Brian, I don't think I ever asked you at the start, what what was your initial attraction to Jaguars when you first, why, why did they grab you? Oh, just just the way they look, you know, the, just the, the sleekness, the comfort, just, just, yeah, just, you know, just the way they looked. And, of course, I know... I, I see one of the things that you asked me there. If I had unlimited funds, what would I do? You yes. Know, what sort of car? Yes. Would let's I get on to those. Well, well, I, what would you do? Yeah. Well, I know exactly exactly what I would do. I'd go to England, and I would find a particular car. It's uh, I've actually written it down over here because it always sits in front of me. If I dream, if I win a lot, I'll, I'll go for it. <laughs> yeah. It's two four eight RPA. It's a 1960 Mark II 2.4 litre Jag. It's burgundy base and it's got a vinyl roof. And of course, recently it sold for over a hundred thousand pounds. Okay. And of course, that was yeah. And you know who's of course who owned that car? Well, that was the big car. 
that was Inspector Morse's car. So of there course, you go. Inspector Morse's car. Wouldn't, wouldn't that, you can imagine that here in New Zealand, wouldn't I? Oh, gosh, that upset the English. I don't know whether you'd be able to export no, it. No, I think, I think we'd, ban, yeah. we'd ban the export of that. <laughs> that, would look, that, that. That would just be the ultimate, and I could look at it and say, take it to the jet places. That would, that would be my ultimate if I had unlimited funds. That so there be, you go. That so, would be Inspector Morse's <laughs> jag, yes. Inspector Morse's jag. It's just there. So, uh, it's yeah, funny, it's that, funny that um, the actor that played Inspector Morse, of course, John Thor, used to be driving around in uh, the Sweeney, but he didn't treat his cars with quite the same <laughs> delicacy in the Sweeney, I don't think, uh, from what I remember. Yeah, so. Yes, so, so there you go. So that's that's the uh, that if I had unlimited funds, I'd, I'd go and buy that car and bring it bring it to New Zealand. So uh, that would really upset the English, wouldn't it? Hey? So. <laughs> well, well, maybe <laughs> just just for a year, and then bring yeah, it back. Yeah, no, no, yeah, just yeah. So if I win win lotto, that's. Uh, that would be my share. So there you go. So, we'll, so that we're going to ask some of the some of these other questions now that sometimes we ask some of our guests. So, um, going to the completely other end of the scale, then, what's the worst car you've ever driven? Oh, oh, oh I can tell you that right now. It was uh, as I said to you previously. I used to do a lot of lot of long lot of driving. I keep a car for a year or so and then pass it on. The worst car by far that I that I had was a Ford Mondeo 1.8 diesel. Dangerous oh. car. Oh. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous car. You know, you come to an intersection, put your foot down, and nothing would happen. So <laughs> that was the worst, you know, undoubtedly the worst car that I, I, I've, I've ever had. Yeah, the Holden, the Holden people are probably putting their thumbs up at this. But, oh, um, gosh, no, it was, that was a terrible, terrible car. But, but uh, I, hate, I almost hate to say this, but hang on, didn't Ford buy Jaguar? Didn't Ford own Jaguar? Yeah, at a yeah, they point? Owned, yeah, they of course they 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 bought Jag uh, around about what nineteen ninety or something like that, and the the X type Jag is is one of theirs, and of course they put funds, they paid a horrendous price, of course, for for Jaguar, uh, and then and then after a while, of course, it, uh, I don't think it was the return wasn't as great as it should have been, and mm. uh, and then uh, of course it was then sold to uh, our Indian friend Tata. Mm. So uh, they they own the cup, they own, own the place there now. So, uh, but I think they're all going electrified, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan for all that, but never mind. So that's uh, that's something else that you've just got to forget about, isn't it? So <laughs> and move and move on. So it's uh, yeah. So that was the worst car. The the best car I had, and, and oh gosh, it was it was a lovely car. And, uh, apart from the Jags, I'm not going to include the Jags because you are it. slightly biased towards Jags. We yeah, I am that. totally biased. Yeah. Uh, the best other car that I had during my work period was a Mitsubishi Cordia Turbo 1.8. Oh, no, I wouldn't have. Car. I wouldn't have pitched you saying that. Okay, that's really oh, surprised me. Oh, that really well, that was that was the fast. Oh, that was a tremendous car. It was I, I had three of those over the period. In fact, I couldn't. I think I got one of the last ones. Out. Absolutely tremendous car. Just just such a. You could just. Go like hang on the place, and of course, they were, that was in the, the days really when when traffic cops weren't, uh, or uh, uh, traffic people weren't all that, uh, you know, tough on you. So yes, uh, now we, and we know like, we've got we've got five minutes left. I believe you might have some interesting <laughs> tales for I us. I got a couple. Got a couple on that of subject, I wanted to tell you about the traffic. That's what's apartment. It's uh, oh, well. 
they, they look, they do a tremendous job, and 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 you know, I I, I got to say that. But was, I'll give you two stories. One really brushed me off, and one another interesting one. I, I was coming back from well, I'd had a ticket about a couple of weeks before because I was going too fast, and I was coming back from Hokitika one night about six or seven o'clock at night. And I was driving along, just watching, thinking along, and blow me, dead, this traffic cop passed me. It was in a Sabara, which was interesting enough, and there was four of them All in right. it. And it was down like hang. And, of course, I was a, I was a bit fast. So I wound the car up, and I got up to about 130k, and I thought, oh, I'm not going. They didn't have their lights going or anything like that. I'm not going there. I'm pulling out of this. But uh, So at any rate, I get to the Terramacau Bridge, and the people from the West Coast will know what it was like there. That was a one-way bridge, and blow me, dead, here, this car was... He was waiting for another car to come off the end. And then the other end, he took off like hang back down to Greymouth, into Greymouth. And by then, I was, I was real fuming because the ticket, the previous ticket I had, as I say before, was about $180. So I wasn't, wasn't in the best of moods by the time of this traffic cop going past. So anyway, I go down to the police station and I, that was after hours numbers and I was real wild. And I said to them, now was there one rule for you characters? And all there was stronger words than that. And one rule for, for us. And they said, oh, 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 well, we should give you a ticket for doing that speed at any rate. So, oh, so I thought, oh, well, I'm not going to win here. So I, I walked away and out of it and cooled down on the life. But that was one side. That was one. But then I had a very interesting was <laughs> from the other extreme. I was coming back from Greymouth uh, one night or one, one afternoon late on a Friday afternoon back to Nelson and coming down through the Clark. Uh, you know, off the Clark Valley there, you can you know wind your way down through there. Go quite nice. And oh my gosh, these damn traffic cops—they can just appear out of nowhere, can't they? So uh, I got pulled over, and the fellow said to me, "He said, oh, yeah, you're going a wee bit fast." And I said, "Oh yeah, I was just running along as so I drove along." And uh, he said, uh, "Oh, you, you, where you come from?" I said, "Oh, from Greymouth." Oh, your name Devlin? Yes, yes. You don't know a fellow called Roger Devlin, auto electrician down there, do you? And I said, oh, yes, yeah, Roger, he's my brother, you know. And he said, oh, well, he helped me out a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was in trouble with, the, with one of the cars. He said, good fellow. I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. He said, well, on your way, he said, on your way. But remember, there's three more traffic cops between us and, and Nelson. So I behaved on my way back. Well, anyway, about three weeks later on a Sunday night, I, I get a ring from the phone from my brother. And he said, well, you're a great fellow, you are, he said. He said... I got picked up the other night, the night coming back through uh, Murchison. And he said, this traffic cop pulled me up and looked at me and he said, oh, he said, ah, oh, your brother's used all your credits, mate. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Roger wasn't very, wasn't very thrilled with that. So, I was going to uh, say, there, there are advantages of community policing in, in areas where everybody kind of knows everybody and there are disadvantages. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a bit of both there. Yes, yes, I, I, I always love to tell that story. But look, they do a, do a good job, and I don't, I don't envy them because, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, New Zealand drivers can be pretty aggressive, and that's half our trouble. Yeah. I think that yeah, yeah. that's half our trouble. You know, well, you you would know yourself if you've been to the likes of Paris and places like that, where the massive amount of traffic, but they all respect one another, and, and uh, you know that's why you know the Arc Triomphe from places like that where they all respect one another. Mm. And as one of the taxi drivers said to them, I said, oh, that was, you, you didn't push it too far. Too far. And he says, no, he said, that, that could be me tomorrow. 
So, you know, they respect the other drivers, don't they? And yeah. uh, I'm sure that if we had a lot of patience, more patience and, and less, you know, more respect for the other driver, we, we wouldn't have half the blooming uh, troubles that we have on the road today. Yeah, that's, that's true. One of our angles is to sort of give road safety tips, and I think those, those ones are two very good ones in terms of oh, be are. more yeah, patient yeah, and show more respect more, more to you. More patience, yeah. yeah. Show, show a bit of courtesy on the roads and... Uh, and you know, don't don't go crazy. All of, you know, just just take your time. Obey the speed. Well, um, here's me talking. You know, obey the obey the speed limits, and, uh, and and just have respect and courtesy. And but you know, these these cars that zoom right up behind you and tailgate you and things like that. And and some of the some of the parts, especially around this particular place here, because it's real windy. There's not many decent roads like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got down there. And uh, People get real up your up your tail, and uh, and you know they make bad decisions, bad judgment decisions, and uh, you know that's what's what's all the, a lot of all the trouble is, isn't it? So uh, yeah. it's not the roads, it's the people. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So and and maybe so there you go. No, that's brilliant, and I think if more if more people maybe were driving these these lovely old Jags, they'd be a lot more relaxed and just waft along, yeah. sort of thing, and think, oh, yeah, just enjoy just, the ride, not. Just enjoy the drive, and that's what I enjoy. You know, I, we, I, I've got uh, we're a custodian for our son's. Uh, got he's got a uh, he, he's a pilot and lives overseas, and so we've got his three point eight in the garage next door to me now. So it's uh, and I, I take them out every week. The three the three Jags we've got here, take them out every week and take them for a drive up the road. That's great. We go out to a place called uh, Pottery and and back because. The roads are such around here, as I say, they're pretty windy sort of a roads. And uh, yeah. but that's uh, it's just just gives you the thrill to go out and just take mm. them for a drive, and just think about the the old oh dare I say it the old days, isn't it? So that's <laughs> the way it was. <laughs> right, anyway, in the in the last um, thirty seconds, Brian, it's been brilliant to talk to you, and thanks for your fantastic knowledge and uh, all that is interesting insights on Nelson built Jaguars, which is quite something. And if people have got or want to know more about the yeah. Nelson built Jaguars. Just remind us of that address to get in contact with you again if they right think they've got some just information. Send me an email, brian.devlin at extra.co.nz. And, uh, but at any rate, if there's someone in the Nelson area, just get hold of John Miller or John Eels, or they're, they're well known people in, in the Nelson area. And, uh, um, you know, if, if, if you ever wanted to get, as I said to you one other time, if you ever wanted to get more history of the thing, John Miller. He wrote that tremendous book from from cars to cottons, and it's real interesting of the history of of the big you know the big factory mm. down there. Yeah. Alrighty, no, that's brilliant. Thanks again for talking to us, Brian. Thank I'd you. Love for to it. speak to you, Stephen. It's been great to hear talk to you, and and if any of those Nelson people of Jack Club are listening, regards to you. We'll see you for the fortieth next year. Great. 40th anniversary of the Nelson Jack Your Club in Queen's birthday next year. Yeah, here's okay. to that. Safe driving, everybody. Good to talk to you. And sit a look, tune in in two weeks' time to our show. Thanks again to MPD. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.